Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I was having a really quick conversation with somebody earlier this week who has a classic Holden old car, fully restored, looking absolutely beautiful, but doesn't want to ruin it by having a big CD player installed or a big screen or anything like that, and doesn't even like to mount his phone on the on the windshield. But he did say, I need navigation. And I want a dash cam. And I went, funny you say that. And then I'm not kidding. He literally said, I need a navigation unit and a dash cam. I don't want to clutter my windscreen. Doesn't want to make the car look like it's just got things bolted onto it and stuff like that. And guess what? And I said, well, Navman have that product for you. It's called the MyCam GPS. And for you, dear listener, a quick reminder, it is a five inch display on the front with all your navigation needs, even hands-free calling and things like that. But on the back is a camera that is continuously recording everything that you do, meaning that, yes, you could use this to get from A to B, but it will also record everything that happens along the way. It's an all-in-one unit, and it literally, when I told him that, he said, I'm off to go get it right now. And it was that simple. I use this when I when I travel because it is that perfect all-in-one unit. I absolutely love the type of navigation that Navman offer, but I absolutely love the fact that it is giving me that peace of mind of recording everything that's happening in front of me at the same time for $299 as a recommended retail price. He didn't blink twice. He ran out and I haven't seen him since. I'll let you know what his feedback is as we get on with the show or as we get on for future shows. But for now, let's get on with this show. For more information about the MyCam GPS or anything else from the Navman range, head to navman.com.au. Rasembrasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk Dan, good tech. afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Australia's number one technology podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you join the show. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the very, very beginning, you're all welcome. Today, being Australia Day when we are recording, I have a glass of Danny Ricciardo's. DR3, partnership with St. Hugo, they have made what they call the Rick Red. And the Rick Red is a blend and a very unknown blend. They're not really giving away a lot here. Is there a, a lot of Shiraz? Is there a lot of Cabernet? Is it something else? We're not being told. However, I can tell you that it is a very soft yet sweet red wine, uh, a really fun red wine. You don't have this thing with food. You can just start pouring it today and drinking it as a conversational wine, it's, it's very fruity. It's very, very fruity. It's very unlike most St. Hugo wines. So I don't think they've literally relabeled anything from the St. Hugo range. I'm a huge St. Hugo fan. I will say this, at $45 a bottle, I've had better St. Hugo wines and their Cabernet, their Shiraz can probably be purchased, at, you know, your regular Dan Murphy's and whatnot for less than $45 a bottle. And I would actually recommend doing that. However, that's me because I really love their Shiraz and their Cabernet. You may love something a little bit different, and that's certainly what this is. It's a fun, fun little red. Now, speaking of fun, uh, it's Australia Day today as I record this, and I'm not going to get into the politics behind Australia Day, but I will quickly touch on the fact that social media, wherever you look, can be completely different and can completely change how you feel about a particular day. Um, and I'm going to use Australia Day as, as the example because it's the day that we're in. I check Facebook 
and there's a whole bunch of people posting pictures about their barbecues, their pool parties. They're happy. They're at the beach. They're enjoying their day, their public holiday, celebrating Australia or just celebrating or just having fun on their public holiday. You then go to Instagram. And again, it always comes down to who you follow and things like that. But Instagram, uh, there are some morning show clips. There is some of the happy, positive stuff. But then there's also people posting uh, things against Australia Day. Maybe it's a picture that represents how they stand about Australia Day uh, and things like that. But you have this bit of a mixed bag experience. And then you go to the cesspit of Twitter. And it is just doom and gloom the saddest possible place you could be on Australia Day. Effectively, you sign in there and you think that it's actually a day of mourning or it's actually a day where everybody is grieving the loss of a loved one. It's very miserable there and it's kind of weird to have those three dynamics play out because generally, you know, when you're in on your phone, you're doing whatever, you kind of, maybe you're flicking between those three apps. I certainly do. And to have three total different experiences, especially if you go from Facebook straight to Twitter, your head will spin. And I posted a, a Twitter update about Australia Day, um, about how much I love this country, the opportunities it's provided, the fact that I was lucky enough to be born here and grew up here and all the opportunities that's afforded me and the freedoms that we have in this country and so on. Crickets. Total crickets on Twitter. I post about something like that on Instagram. A lot of people liking, a lot of people actually jumping into my DMs, almost almost too afraid to comment on the picture with their support of Australia, having to tell me in private uh, that they are happy to see that. It's very strange. And again, everyone will do what they like on those days. But when I have a look at those social media platforms, it has been stark to see the differences between them. And I'm sure that happens on other days, but probably not so much, you know, Christmas. I actually, you sometimes see it on Father's Day or whatever, or Women's Day or whatever they call that. Uh, anyway, let's get on with the rest of the show. I just thought it was an interesting look from a tech angle at how these days are certainly interpreted. And um, it does depend on where you look at a particular time. And I guess that's literally what social media is meant to be. It's a cocktail party that you're turning up to. And Twitter has different types of people than Facebook does. It just does. Um, what a strange thing. Anyway, let's get on with some real tech stuff. Now, first of all, if you have a HomePod or a HomePod Mini, you know, those smart speakers that Apple make, not a lot of people buy them, but I know some people who love Apple Music. They have iPhones, they have iPads, they have an Apple TV. Why not have a HomePod? And they probably do. The HomePod Mini is probably the most compelling smart speaker from Apple compared to the, the bigger HomePod because it seems like this kind of perfect little smart speaker you could put into your children's bedroom if you're on some Apple Music family plan. And one thing that was announced, very again, very quietly, Apple has been kind of releasing things as if they don't want people to know about it and they kind of make us dig it up and, and present it to you. No, there hasn't been an event, but there's been a lot of announcements if you heard last week's podcast as well. But the HomePod can now use the temperature and humidity sensor on the actual speakers. Apparently, these have been sensors that have been built in to these speakers for some time, well, since the beginning, but you've never been able to use them. So now you'll actually be able to know what the temperature and humidity is of the room that the speaker is in. I mean, why wouldn't you want that to be working on day one? 
it's actually fantastic. So when you go into the Apple Home app or whatever it's called, I think it's literally called Home, um, you can now have, when you go into that room, maybe it's in the kitchen or the study or the bedroom, you better know what the temperature and humidity is in that room. Now, that may not be immediately important to you as you hear that, but for me, I love that if it's going into a baby nursery or something like that, because sometimes kids can get fussy on temperature. And sometimes having that perfect temperature in that room means that they're going to have a much better sleep. And obviously, if a room door is shut and things like that, it can become quite warm in there in the summertime. So this is just a simple way of having um, a temperature sensor in that room if you already needed a smart speaker. And then I'll say real quickly, if you have a baby on the way, having a smart speaker in the nursery is actually a brilliant idea. Not because you want to be playing certain songs to them on command, but when you pick up the baby and you need to turn the lights on very quickly and you don't have a hand free, being able to get your smart speaker to hear that request and do it for you is an advantage. Being able to get it to play a song if you need it to play a song on when your hands free is an advantage. Um, there are some certain things that you just will appreciate having a smart speaker there waiting for you to hear it. But obviously, if it's a HomePod mini, you can now uh, pay attention to those two things as well. So I kind of thought it was worth mentioning if you've already got one of these things, you've already invested in something like that. Um, you can now use it as a temperature sensor. Why not? Why wouldn't you have been able to do that beforehand? I don't know. Now, I also received a, uh, a press release from Sony this week. And let's be honest very quickly. Where has Sony been? I don't know about you guys, but Sony is the most MIA company in recent times. They have fallen off a cliff in dramatic ways. And it's kind of sad. I love Sony. I loved their products. I, I used to look at friends who had a Sony TV or a Sony Explode stereo in the car. And it was like, whoa, Sony, like Sony rocks. I went to CES and yeah, there was a Sony stand there, but everyone was only interested in the car, in the car that they developed with Honda. So where's the Sony TVs? Where's the buzz around the televisions they're bringing to market this year? There just isn't one. Anyway, this week they've sent an email to announce a new pair of headphones they've got. And if you're a fitness person or you're a runner, listen to this. We've spoken about on-ear, over-ear and in-ear headphones plenty of times. There's plenty of them out there. Now Sony has an off-ear headphone. Off-ear. It sounds funny just even saying it. They're called the Float Run and they look like a pair of clip-on um, earphones where you've got an arm that goes around the ear. And we've seen that before. Beats used to have them, for example, really good fitness headphones where you've got this arm that goes around the ear to, to hold on properly, but the bud actually still would go in the ear. With these ones from Sony, the float run, that bit that would normally go in the ear actually sits outside and it just sort of dangles there and points towards your ear, but doesn't actually sit or touch the ear at all. The part that touches the ear is just the arm or the hook that goes around. With the float run, that arm actually contains the battery and also contains the controls if you want to control the volume or um, play pause and things like that. So you end up with these small little pads that don't touch the ear, but they point at the ear and they sort of blast the music into there so hopefully you'll still hear it. They weigh 33 grams, so we're talking about a very light pair of headphones and they're linked with a wire between the two. So you know, it's effectively wireless to your phone, but the two left and right ears are connected together. 
And the idea here is that you'll be able to wear these headphones while doing exercise without that thud that you would normally get when you're running if you're wearing tightly sealed in-ear headphones. Um, you wouldn't hear your own breathing. These are things that I've noticed before when testing in-ear headphones for fitness activities. So it does open your ears up, which is actually a really good thing. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to know if A, the sound is actually still of good quality, or it just means that you'll be listening to music and you have to just not care about the quality of that experience. It's going to be interrupted, obviously, with ambient noise and things like that. Again, that's a two-way street because having ambient noise, if you ask somebody who's going for a run, fantastic. You'll hear an ambulance coming. You'll hear if you'll hear the slightest thing, I guess, because there's nothing actually in your ears. So it's just adding music to that overall world that you're already running in. A couple of a couple of questions. One, given that it's got the wraparound ear piece and it's quite thick, you couldn't wear sunglasses with this. Uh, no one in their press images is wearing sunglasses. So if you're going for a run and you're planning on going outside and you normally like to wear sunnies to do it, you can't do both. Uh, buds would still be your preferred option to do that. So sunglasses are completely out of the equation, which I think is a bit of a problem. Um, I think if you're wearing sunnies, it's not possible. I'm looking at these things. I don't see a way that you could do it. You will, however, get 10 hours of battery life using them. Um, they've got the IPX ratings to make sure that they're sweat resistant and things like that. So I'm fascinated by them. I don't know if I'm fascinated enough to want to test a pair. I, I know I'm not a runner. I really am not a runner. Uh, but anyway, these will be coming out in April if you're in the market for something like this. A quick sip of the, uh, the Danny Rick Red a secret source, and then we're going to get into some more news. Now, I know that Christmas normally comes on December 25th. However, there is another version that's coming, actually, probably by the time you're listening to this, January 27th. If you have an Xbox or you have a Nintendo Switch, you might need to start recharging those controllers and getting something ready. GoldenEye 007 is coming to Xbox and Switch on January 27. Let me rephrase that. One of the best games of all time, when I was younger, was GoldenEye 007. And it is being repackaged for the Nintendo Switch and the Xbox. So Xbox Series X or Series S um, and Xbox One will be able to play GoldenEye 007. I don't know why we didn't say 007, but we just don't. We say 00. And for me, there's two points to this. One, an amazing game. I remember playing this on Nintendo many, many moons ago. But I believe, and this might be where you unsubscribe, leave a bad review, or send me hate mail, I believe that Pierce Brosnan is the best Bond we've ever had. I believe The GoldenEye is the best Bond film we've ever had. And I also believe The GoldenEye is the best first-person shooter game we've ever had. And it's coming to a modern-day console. It will come if you, as an inclusive to Game Pass, meaning you could just start playing it on January 27th without buying any, uh, spending any more money. And it also means that it will be in 4K. It will have a smoother frame rate. It will have dual analog support. It will have achievements. 
it will not have online play, but it could be four player split screen. So you might need to get your friends to bring your controllers around. Four of you sitting around a 65 or 75 inch TV will definitely have it looking like a screen as big as you would have been playing individually at home in the 90s. It's extremely exciting. Uh, This was announced in September 2022. I think we covered it on the show back then. But to read that it's going to be, in my case, tomorrow that I can start playing it, and for you today that you could start playing it, well, what else are you going to do this weekend except play Goldeneye and find those three other friends that you maybe played with and bring them around for some Goldeneye 007 where you could be Pierce Brosnan walking around with the golden gun getting business done. I mean, seriously, he was the best Bond. Um, tell, me, tell me otherwise. In fact, tell me otherwise. Find me on Twitter or Instagram. Hit up my Facebook page. Let me know. Who was the best Bond? What is a better first-person shooter game? And why are you messaging me when you could be playing Goldeneye 007 on Xbox or Nintendo Switch? Uh, Giddy up. Now, the other thing that I will be doing this weekend, and hopefully not having to worry about, is cleaning the pool. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm testing a new product. And I don't know if it's your Facebook feed or mine, but I'm getting a lot of sponsored ads about a new pool cleaner and I reached out to these guys because I saw them at CES and I said let's have a rip 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 wood chip and this is from a company called Iper A-I-P-E-R the A is written like an upside down V Um, so at the right angle people are going to read it as Viper Uh, but it's it's Iper it's AI Now, this is, and you're kind of going, what are you talking about? Now, Jeff, this is a wireless pool cleaner. So if you've got a swimming pool and you hate maintaining them as much as I do, this is good news because I tested a pool cleaner and I had this on, I spoke about this on the show not that long ago. I had them on Studio 10, the Barracuda Bees Knees four-wheel drive pool cleaner, and it was a great pool cleaner. Like it cleaned the pool really, really well. However, it had this really long cord that goes from the robot pool cleaner out to this unit that you plug into a PowerPoint. And even though they say that the the tether or the cable shouldn't get tangled, it does. You need to untwist it. There's, There's work involved. And I hate work. I hate work, especially when it's like I'm maintaining a pool. Like I have a body of water that I just want it to be clean when I swim in there. And why is it so difficult when everything else, I have, I have mowers on my lawn cutting grass and I don't do anything with them, but my pool can't maintain itself. Anyway, the Iper Elite Pro is a cordless pool cleaner. It's literally just like a robot vacuum that you just put in the pool and you hit a go button and it starts to do its thing. A couple of things immediately. Now, I received this very quickly actually during the week. I asked them about it. I said, I want to review this thing because you keep advertising on Facebook. I saw you guys at CES. Can we, can we have a look at it? They've sent me the best one. It's called the Elite Pro. The one before that is called the Seagull. And it doesn't look like it should be a pool cleaner. It looks a bit odd. So the Elite Pro has four wheels. Four pretty small wheels, but it has four. Two at the front, two at the back. And we're talking about a pool cleaner 
that only weighs four and a half kilos. I swear the Barracuda weighed 20 kilos. It was a heavy beast. It was very big, very bulky. Um, and maybe that was for a reason. But considering that this has a battery built into it, it only weighs four and a half kilos. And seriously, when I got the box, I thought the battery was not included because it's so light. Anyway, you pick this thing up and you can put it in the pool. It will operate for 120 minutes, which is a fair amount of time for it to get around the entire pool. Obviously, depending on your pool size, but um, in my case, 120 minutes, I think I'm pretty good. It says the cleaning area is 120 meters squared. So I think that should cover the surface area of my pool. You stick it in the pool, you press the button, and it kind of gets on with its thing. And it really does. Like when you put it on, when you put it in, it will sink itself. And then it drives, it drives at speed. It's got a 17 centimeter suction port. And what's been incredibly interesting is the drive wheels or the, where the scrubbing brush is and things like that is actually the back of the robot. The front of the robot are just dolly wheels. They don't do anything. And that's the part that drives then up your wall. It does expose itself like most pool cleaners do these days. But it doesn't expose itself in the right way because if you're only exposing the front of the pool cleaner where there is no suction and there is no scrubbing brush, it's not doing waterline cleaning. It might be cleaning your walls to a certain extent because the back of the robot is able to scrub. But if the front of the robot, which is actually peeking out of the pool, isn't scrubbing, you're not getting waterline cleaning. So straight away, I can tell you that this cordless robot has its scrubbers around the wrong way. Like, I feel like it should be reversing up walls to actually make sure that it's cleaning the waterline. It's a bit of a dumb design to have it in that way that it doesn't do waterline cleaning as a result. And for anyone who has a pool, waterline cleaning is actually important. That's where you get a little buildup of, of gunk, um, which you would normally need to brush. So still something I'm going to have to do with this particular pool cleaner is the brushing and something I noticed very quickly. When you take it out of the, well, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. Within that 120 minutes, if you catch it peeking out, then you can grab it and you can turn the power button, turn it off and take it out of the pool. It'll actually quick drain as well. So you don't have to take, you know, um, nine liters of water out of the pool at the same time. However, if you don't get to the thing within that battery life period, it just dies. <laughs> so, so it does the pool cleaning it drives around for 120 minutes and then it just dies. It just turns off. Now, I have, a, I have a, deep, a deep end in my pool that is deep. If it's, if it's dead at the bottom, how am I supposed to fish that thing out? Inside the box, IPA sends you a hook, but it's literally just the hook. It's like a, a piece of plastic. If you look at your hand as I'm, as I'm talking and you do an L shape, like a loser shape with your hand where the thumb sticks out and the point finger is, it's literally that big and, and there's no pole. So they give you a hook, like Captain Hook, for example. I can put it on my hand, but that's not going to help me a lot. That doesn't give me that much leverage if it's at the bottom of the pool, which it would be. So when the first time I used it, I ended up getting my, um, you know, your, your pool brush, the thing you usually sweep your floors with inside your pool. I got one. I got that, and I had to like drive it into the pool and then push the pool robot to the shallow end, and then I could sort of reach and grab it. There's no remote control of this thing of sort of saying, well, maybe if it just turned itself off automatically with 10% battery, 
then I could use the remote control to maybe drive it to the shallow end or have it at least rise up so I can quickly grab it. I don't know, something. Or even if it would return to where you started, meaning if I put it in at the shallow end, maybe it will return back there to die. That would be a good thing. The other thing that it doesn't do is climb steps. It's afraid of climbing steps. So it will get up to the top of the step and then drive back down it. It won't sort of go over the crest and keep driving. It will just go, we're, we're going high enough here and moves its way down. So you've got to clean your steps yourself. You've got to clean the water line yourself. And there's a couple of issues there straight away, right? So yes, yeah, so you've got to fish it out. Um, I'm pretty sure the hook they supply can fit onto a pole. I just need to get a pole and attach it. So it's kind of making me work a little bit more than I wanted to for something that I was hoping was going to save me time. So you get this two hours battery life and then it takes two more hours to recharge it. So if you wanted to, you could get it to clean your pool a number of times throughout the day. You just can make sure you're pulling it out, recharging it and putting it back in again. The other quick thing I'll say about it as well, this isn't my review. This is just me with first impressions. The other thing I'll say is that the pool cleaner charger is not outdoor rated. So you can't have your pool cleaner live next to your pool where it may be able to recharge. It actually needs to be brought under cover where your charger would be, and then you can plug it in. So that seems like a bit of a misstep. I'm surprised by that. Um, you know, if, if the tethered pool cleaners can live in the rain, this kind of needed to be able to do the same thing. So a little bit strange in that sense. Um, emptying the debris and things like that, it certainly does work. I've, I've done an empty job on it already. And it did a pretty good job picking up some stuff, um, but a little bit more testing on that side to be done. So I'm not going to say whether it's a good pool cleaner or not just at pool cleaning. I need to do a bit more testing on that one as well. So we'll see how that goes. The other thing, and it's always the, the final thing, is the price. This thing costs $999, so less than $1,000 for a robotic pool cleaner, which is a cheap price to pay for a robotic pool cleaner as it is. To have it then untethered, is also very interesting. So I feel like this should be a compromise here. What am I missing that I'm getting this for less than the price of say that Barracuda one that I have been testing? Um, well, it's gone now, but I had been testing. That was like almost three grand. So there's a big gap between those two and one of them is tethered. So you would think the tethered one is, is supposed to be cheaper and this one would be more expensive. So I'm interested to keep testing this. The only thing I think it's gonna come down to is this one not being a very good pool cleaner. That's sort of my biggest worry is that I'm just going to say, yeah, it's a robotic pool cleaner, but it does a crap job. Um, so watch this space on that one. If you're seeing the ads like I am, or you don't even have a pool and this is completely useless to you, uh, I'll let you know a little bit more next week as hopefully I would have had a bit more use with it and know whether the IPA brand has a chance of thriving in Australia and whether our pool cleaners should be cordless or not. So stay tuned on that one. We're almost to that 30-minute mark. I'll give you guys an early mark this week. Have an amazing week ahead. If you, if you had a somber Australia Day, I hope that you've picked another day to celebrate this amazing country. And I'm all for that. I think if today was a day that you are affected and, and it makes you sad, I hope that you have picked another day in 2023 to celebrate this amazing country. So I understand people not wanting to celebrate um, Australia Day because they think it's, it's an invasion day or something else. Fine. All, all, I completely get it. And everyone has their reasons. My only hope is that you pick another day this year to celebrate it.
and to raise a sausage or cut a steak or whatever it is that you would normally should be doing on Australia Day. And I hope you go and pick a time to do that and appreciate just how good we do have it in this country. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.